Welcome to Lakeside Church's message podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find your church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. Well, we have something else different for you today. We um, actually, in the plan moving here, remember I said, you know, when, when we moved here, if you guys have heard the story, I needed a job. Well, the person who was crazy enough to hire me is here today in the church. Miss Tammy Moy Johnson over here, she, for some reason, she interviewed me on Skype from Missouri, and she invited me out here for a one-on-one interview, and uh, she gave me a job, and, and then we found out that we were both believers, and uh, women, you, know, you don't ask that in the job interview, y'all know that, right? But as we work closely together, we found out we both strongly believe in the Lord, and we're about His business. And I've got to know her family, and I consider them dear friends. So Brother Nehemiah, he is going to come up. Her husband is going to come this morning and share the word today. So would you welcome Brother Nehemiah up here today? Thank you very much. Amen. Good morning. Good morning, my brothers and sisters, because you know that uh, we might have different mothers, but we have the same father. Hallelujah. I tell you, it's an honor for me to stand here today because, not because of the invitation, because God has entrusted each and every one of us with something. So I stand here today, that when you see me, you don't see Nehemiah. I hope that is far removed from you. What I hope you see, what I intend for you to see, is your elder brother, Jesus Christ. How about that? Because the word that I'm going to speak for you today is not the word uh, according to Nehemiah. It's going to be the word according to the gospel of uh, Jesus Christ. How about that? Does everybody know the gospel of Jesus Christ? That is why we're here today. And, of course, it is not anything that I take lightly to stand here. So the word that I have for you today is something I've been thinking about for quite a while. It's something I've been meditating on for quite a while. And it's something I've been studying for quite a while. And as the words say, let he who has an ear hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. How about that? Today I want to talk to you. I'm quite sure it's familiar scripture. How many of you heard about uh, the Apostle Paul in his jailhouse ministry? Have you heard about the Apostle Paul going to jail with the apostles? along with Silas. You're familiar with that, right? But at the same time, we always hear scripture. Now, oftentimes we hear scripture when we're young and we're growing up. But I like to think uh, is you always should make sure that you remain a novice when it comes to the scripture. Because if you think you learn scripture, do you realize it's still multifaceted? There's many depths to the word of God. Is that right? So even though I have studied about the Apostle Paul and his jailhouse ministry along with uh, the Apostle Silas, every time I look at this, God and the Holy Spirit continues to show me something different about this. Deeper depths of the scripture. So you're familiar with it. It's Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, starting with verse 25. Because you do realize that Apostle Paul and Silas, they do go to prison. And as they go to prison, they're there for a reason. And the reason that they are going to prison is because, I think in the early part of chapter 16, they have actually spoken a word. And the word that they spoke, 
they spoke because there was a young girl there. She was a, called a damsel, and she was, had a demon in her. You're right? Am I right? She was, it was a damsel, and she had a spirit in her. And the Apostle Paul spoke a word causing that spirit to come out of her. And when he caused that spirit to come out of her, do you realize he upset some people? When he upset some people, the people that he upset were the ones who were actually using her to make money. And when she was no longer demon-possessed, he actually changed. They could no longer make any more money. You're familiar with this, right? And because they could not make any more money, that means that he had challenged the ideology of that particular city. And when he challenged the ideology of the particular city, what happened in return was that he caused men to come against him. How many of you realize that when you're speaking a word that challenged the culture, it will cause the culture to come against you? When you I got to say that again. When you speak a word to cultural thinking, when you speak a word to the ideology, regardless of what that ideology is, it will cause the ideology to come against you. So I have to ask you now, are you feeling any type of persecution the way Paul? Have any of you gone to jail because the words you have spoken? Have any of you gone to jail because anything you believe in? Well, if you have not, if you not suffer persecution to that level, you might want to ask yourselves, have I challenged the ideology of this culture? Is that right? Because if you ask anybody, have they been persecuted, I bet every hand would go up and say, have they been persecuted? But there hasn't been any persecution in this country that I'm aware of that because my belief in Jesus Christ, my be declaring the gospel, has caused anybody to go to jail as of yet. Is that right? But you realize that day may come. Not mean to scare anybody. We're not speaking anything, but that day may actually come. So the Apostle Paul is actually speaking a word that actually comes against the ideology of the city. I believe it was Macedonia. And because of that, because he challenged the ideology, they drug him and uh, Paul and Silas to the court, and they were severely beaten. And after they were severely beaten, they were cast into the prison. You have to understand is that when you actually go out and represent Christ, you're representing light. And when you speak a word accordance with the light, it's going to always represent a collision course with darkness. When you actually, oh, you got to get this. When you actually challenge someone, you're actually causing a collision course between light and darkness. And I'm told by the word of God, when you have that type of challenge, light always wins. Say hallelujah. Light will always win, but it may cost you something. And then when it costs you something, that's when you finally realize, when you ask yourself, do I really believe what I say I believe? Sometimes when according to the word, you might have a mental assent with the word, but sometimes you do not know what you believe until that word is challenged in you. When that word is challenged in you, that's when you find out if you really believe what you say you believe. And sometimes until you challenge, you don't really know what you believe. You might have the scripture in your head. You might be able to regurgitate it on a moment's notice. You might know it backwards and forwards, but sometimes until you are challenged, you really don't know what you believe. I'm not saying you don't know scripture. Don't get me wrong. But do you know scripture from a spiritual perspective and from a spiritual level? Everybody, if you raise your hand if you understand scripture from a spiritual level. Don't be slow. Don't be shy. 
And we're not trying to cause anybody's belief or anything of the sort. But this is what landed Apostle Paul in prison along with Silas. Now, let's pick this up in Acts chapter 16, looking at verse, verse 25. Do you mind if I teach a little bit? And it says, and at midnight, are you with me? And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And at midnight, and at midnight, you may think, at midnight, he's only referring to 12 a.m. How many realize he's not necessarily referring to merely 12 a.m.? He's not merely referring to 12 a.m. Because in the Bible, it talks about night watches. Have you heard about night watches? In the Jewish belief, the first night watch began at 6 p.m. Oh, come on now. The first night watch began at 6 p.m. Say first watch. The first watch, that's why the Bible talks about evening. Because when you say eve and evening, it's talking about starting at 6 p.m. That's the first watch of the night. So three hours later is what? 9 p.m. 9 p.m. starts the second watch of the night. Three hours later starts the third watch of the night, which is midnight. And then 3 a.m. starts the fourth watch of the night. So how many realize Paul was not looking at a clock when he said midnight? When he was talking about midnight, he understood how God works in the night watches. How many of you, by show of hands, please, how many of you ever woke up at 12 a.m. or 3 a.m.? Oh, look, look around. How many woke up at 12, 12 a.m. or 3 a.m.? And the first thing you say to yourself, why am I awake? And then when you, try to, when you realize you're awake, one of the first things you do is, according to the flesh, I need to do something to put me back to sleep. You may turn the pillow on the cool side. You may give up and drink some milk, or you may take some Salmonex or whatever it is to get back to sleep. But how many of you realize that God may be trying to tell you something in the quiet of the night? God works in those night watches. He works in those night watches. So, again, it's at midnight. Paul is not necessarily referring to a type on the, uh, the time on the clock. When he says midnight, he knew that God had a word for him in that watch of the night. So the very next time, from this point forward, if you wake up, one of the first things I ask you to do is to look at your clock. And if that clock is at midnight, most likely it will be midnight or 3 a.m., do the same like little boy Samuel when he was in the house of Eli said, Speak, Father, for your servant is listening. Come on now. Because God just doesn't work in the 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. He's the God of all days. So he's not bound by time. If you walk in the flesh, you are bound by time. You know God is eternal, so he is not bound by time. So he is trying to get a word to you, and sometimes he tries to get that word to you at midnight and at 3 a.m. Is this making sense to anybody? So the next time you read that scripture, understand Paul is not looking at his watch, and it says time for us to pray. Paul understood that God had visitations in those night watches. So at midnight, he began to pray because he knew what God was going to do in the first watch, 
He knew what God did in the second watch, so now he understands the third watch. He's going to to start praying. And what did he do? It says at midnight. Say midnight. So he's talking about those night watches. This is making sense to anybody. So when he's talking about those night watches, now I just said the Bible already established that when Paul and Silas, they were beaten, they, they were not just a little small slap on the behind. They were beating severely, and they were cast into prison. If you were beaten severely, is the first thing you're thinking about is praying. But <laughs> so, so what they did was they were able to put their pain and their bodies aside in the natural, and they were led by the Spirit. I ask you today, when you are challenged in your soul, when you're challenged in your flesh, are you rising above to spiritual levels? I ask you, when you are challenged in your body with some sort of sickness or you are challenged in your mind with something, is it the first thing you do? Are you able to rise to a spiritual level? Because this is what Paul and Silas did. They were actually set aside the pain in their body. They rose up to a level of spirit and they began to pray and sing songs unto the Lord. Say amen. So we have to understand now, this is what's going to bless you. It says... In Acts chapter 9, verse 16, concerning Paul. You remember Paul in the Damascus Road experience? How many remember Paul in the Damascus Road experience? You remember Paul was in Damascus, he was blind, but Jesus was somewhere preparing Ananias to go to Paul. Is that right? And he's telling Ananias about Paul. And Ananias said, isn't this is the one who's coming against the gospel? And what does Jesus say to him? He says, he is a chosen instrument of mine. I will show him the great things he must suffer for my name. How many of y'all are you suffering for Christ's name? He says, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Do you know what that is? That is a path of righteousness. Paul and Silas did not get there simply because they were actually just actually ministering the word of God. They were going a pathway where God wanted them to go. And when they got there, do you realize That's exactly what God wanted them to be. The point I'm trying to make is that if you are believing in Christ, you are on a path of righteousness. Some of the things that you are experiencing is because God purposed it to be in your life. And when God purposed it to be in your life, it is a path of righteousness. Say path of righteousness. I got to help you understand this. Now, you remember the 23rd Psalm? Everybody knows the 23rd Psalm. Is that right? It says, he restores my so, and he leadeth me in the path of righteousness. Do you realize righteousness may mean that you will suffer some things? Do you realize that when he says he restores my soul, if your soul needs to be restored, that means you have gone through something for Christ's sake. And he says he will restore your soul, and he says he leadeth you in the path of righteousness. So if you're suffering something and you know you don't have sin in your life or you don't have any confessed sin in your life, you must realize that it's a path of righteousness that God has tailor-made just for you. Is this making sense to anybody? So if he has a path that's been tailor-made for you, then it is a righteousness because he's trying to perfect something in you. How many of you want to be perfected by Christ? Some of the challenges that we are experiencing is because 
Christ has tailor-made certain paths that we must go down. Because that's why it says in 1 Peter chapter 2, it says that we are partakers of Christ's suffering. And if you are a partaker of Christ's suffering, that means some things that you will experience, he has tailor-made for you to experience. Even though it may seem like the world is coming against you, or it may be something in your life that's coming against you, because of who you are in Christ, he takes that what looks like he's coming against you, and he's working it for your good. What he says in Romans, he says, I cause what? All things. He says, I cause what? All things. Now, when he says all things, is he only talking about the good things? He's talking about not only the good things, but the bad things as well. He says, I cause all things to work together for the good of those who love me and who will call for my purposes. How many of you love Christ? How many of you love Christ? Well, you are, you love him and you'll call for his purposes. But you must understand the will of God and how he actually works them. Is that making six, Emory? Oh, because he says, this is how I do things. And because you suffer there for my righteousness sake, that means that is something in you that will cause the body to suffer, perhaps. I can tell you about five years ago, five years ago when I was at Duke Medical Center. How many of you have heard of Duke Medical Center? It's a small, unheard of college in Durham, North Carolina. <laughs> Nobody's ever heard of Duke Medical Center. Nobody's ever heard of Duke. I was sitting on the doctor's table with nothing but a gown and uh, some socks. And the doctor walks in the door and she looks at me in a matter-of-fact way. She says, Mr. Johnson, it's cancer. That's what was told to me. I had a choice to make. Do I believe this report or do I believe what Almighty God is saying? He has says, by his stripes, I am healed. Do I believe that report or do I believe this report? Although, how many of you know somebody who's had a serious illness? You see how a serious illness can actually change their body. Is that right? Have you seen anybody go through something like that? Well, let me tell you something. The most I've ever weighed is 165 pounds. Going through that, I went from 165 pounds down to 131 pounds in a matter of weeks. In that time that I was going through, I had to discover what I really believed in accordance with the word. I, I was always teaching the word of God. I knew the scriptures. I can regurgitate it. I could tell you backwards and forwards and left and right what the scripture said. But the question is, it's not my, how much I had in my mind. It's how much was I was actually walking out. How much was I actually walking out? There's many things I had to repent for. One of the things I had to repent for, because I told you I was teaching scripture at my church. Once I was going through the physical change in my body, I didn't want anybody to see me. I didn't want to be seen. So I, I stayed in the house. I didn't want to be seen because I went down to 131 pounds. I was in the gym all the time. How many of you have gone to the gym? You take kind of a little bit of pride in what you look like. And then going out to 131 pounds, now I'm standing in the mirror and I'm seeing bones and I'm seeing hair loss and I'm seeing all of this. And I had to repent because if I call myself a teacher, if I'm hiding myself in the house, who am I teaching? Oh, is this making sense to anybody? So if I'm calling myself a teacher and there was something going on in my flesh and God did not tell me to stay in the house, I made that choice of myself because of my appearance then if I'm no longer teaching, then guess who is winning? 
the enemy of my soul is women is winning. It's not Christ. Because what did my appearance have to do with my voice? What did my appearance have to do with the word of God? There should be nothing in my body or in my soul to cause me to turn and no longer teach the word of God. Because it is, he says that, what does he say about the soul in the body? He says, fear not the one who can kill the body, but fear the one who can actually destroy the soul and send it to what? Oh, my goodness gracious. So I had to find out what I really believed. And according with that, that means I had to repent for some things. In other words, he's saying is that, Nehemiah, I did not cause this sickness, but do you know that God knows how to use anything in your life? He was not the author of my sickness, but I want you to know he took that and he used it for his purposes. I cause all things. And I want you to know, regardless of what you may be going through or anybody in your life may be going through, it does not matter because God is still in control. He has not lost control. He is still in control. He has not lost control by any means. It doesn't matter what it may look like. Right now, there's all kinds of reports coming out about our government and the different things like that. Do you realize God uses certain things and certain people to expose some things? It does not matter what it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you may be on god in his infinite wisdom knows how to expose some things you realize in accordance to the word there are no secrets with god there are no secrets with god i don't care what men try to do in darkness god says there are no secrets in me he will expose it all but i want you to know getting back to the apostle paul and silas there was a purpose that god had there for them do you know what that purpose was in the purpose, and it tells us that in accordance with the word that they were there for that jailer. Do you realize that? You're familiar with the scripture. Do we need the scripture? Let's go ahead and read it then. Look at verse 26. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened. What happened? There was a what? Earthquake. So that the foundations of the prisons were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's hands were loose. And the keeper of the prison, awakened out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have what killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had fled. If you were in jail, it must be a sign of God if those doors are open. If you were in jail and you know that you are falsely accused and those prison doors open, it must be a sign from God. My prayer has been answered. God has heard me. So that means now that the door is open, this is now my opportunity to leave this place. What would cause Paul and Silas to stay? If the prison doors were open, what would cause them to, say, to stay? If that was a sign to them, it appeared to be for them to leave. There's one reason, because they knew it was not the will of God. Do you know the will of God for your life? Do you know the will of God for your life? I was taught as a little boy growing up, God moved in a mysterious way. Who could possibly know him? That is not true. That was Eric teaching. Because it says in Ephesians chapter 5, he says, understand the will of the Lord. So if he tells me to understand his will, it is all within my possibility to know what his will is. 
And it tells me that I know his will if I know what his word is. This is one thing I want you to understand. Think about calling it the Bible. It's always the Bible, but just listen to what I'm saying. We call, it is called the Bible to the point where we erase the true meaning of the word. It's the Bible. I'm not saying that. Let me work with me for a second. Do you realize what's between Genesis and Revelation is the mind of God? Bible is Latin for biblios. You will not find the word Bible in the word of God anywhere. Is that right? Search out your concordances. You will not find the word Bible in the word of God. So what Satan has done is cause you to actually look at the word Bible, biblios, and you start reading the Bible like it's just any other book. Mm -mm -mm. If you read the Bible like any other book, you forget that it's the mind of God. And it was, he says, let this mind that is in Christ be also in you. Let this mind that is in Christ be also in you. I've given you Genesis through Revelation. If you read this, as it says in uh, Joshua, he says, meditate on it day and night. Do not let it depart from your lips. It will bring you what? Success. So I have, if I have the mind of Christ, then I know the will of God. Oh, my goodness gracious. I know the will of God. So Paul understands because the jail doors have flung open, it does not mean it's time for him to leave. To the natural eye, it is time to leave. But to the spiritual eye, it's time to do some work. To the natural eye, it's time to leave. But to the spiritual eye, it's time to do some work. Christ had led him there to do some work. That's why it says in, in the word, it says, walk worthy of the Colossians, walk worthy of the Lord in all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. Paul realized through the will of God that the work had not been done yet. What he had already experienced because of righteousness, the work had not been done. We already read in the scripture that the jailer was about to do what? Commit suicide. If Paul had a left, the blood of the jailer would have been on Paul's hands. Sometimes when we go through some things, we may abort the mission of God prematurely. Do not abort the mission of God prematurely based upon your limited, may perhaps limited understanding over some things. Paul and Silas, they stayed, and because they stayed, what happened to the jailer? They ministered salvation to the jailer. Otherwise, he would have killed himself. So, this is why it's important that we understand the word of God. We have to understand how we go through some things because those things that we go through is a path of righteousness. And the righteousness is tailor-made for us because God is trying to perfect some things in us. When he perfects some things in us, he says, now you're ready for some good work. How many of here, are, how many of you love Christ? Raise your hand by show of hands if you love Christ. Would you do anything that Christ asked you to do? If you're going to do, how many of you here are only good for 85% of the work of Christ? How many of you here are only for 65% of the work of Christ? Or how many of you here for 100% of the work of Christ? The hands are going up a little slower now. It says that you have to be prepared, prepared for every good work. 
If you're not reaching the point of maturity, understand how Christ worked in your life, you may abort the, pre, the mission prematurely. That means you have to go back to remedial training all over again. Because he says that he wants you to be mature. Ephesians chapter 4, uh, chapter 5, I give you the fivefold ministry for what? Three things. For the unification of the body, for the work of the ministry, and for the perfecting of the saints. Salvation is the free gift. What do you do beyond salvation? That's up to you in accordance with the word of Christ. He says he wants you to be perfected because I need you to be good for 100% of the work. Not 65% of the work, not 87% of the work, not even 97% of the work. He says, can I use you for anything in accordance with my will? In order for 100% of the work, he says there's some things that you must suffer for my sake. If you suffer for Christ's sake, he says that this is the path of righteousness. There is a distinct difference between the will of God and the work of the enemy. Did you know that? How many of you realize that there's a distinct difference between the will of God and the work of the enemy, Satan? Sometimes if you look at it with your natural eye, you can't tell the difference between the will of God. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Sometimes if you look at it with your natural eye, you cannot tell the difference between the will of God and the work of the enemy. Because it looks like the work of the enemy. The enemy seemed like he was gaining ground on Paul and Silas, did he not? It seemed like he was gaining ground on them when they were in jail. It looks like the enemy has won. But Christ was set it up such that he uses the things of the enemy in order to work it for his good. He uses things of the enemy to work it for his good. So he's working some things in your life. He's working it for your good. You may be praying for some change in your life. You may be praying for some things in your life and it seems like God has not hurt you. You may be praying some things and it seems like God has not answered your prayer. But the thing is, is that you must know some things God says, you must suffer for my name's sake. If you know the will of God, then you pray in accordance with his will, and you may not, you may not ask to be getting out of it. That's why he says, I prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemy. I prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemy. Do you know what that means? He says that you could be sitting at my table, and your enemy is watching you at my table. In other words, I let the enemy see how you are rejoicing in my word, but he, y'all placed it where you are out of his reach. Oh, that's got to bless somebody now. He says, I, I prepare a table for you in the presence of, of your enemies because he wants to get the glory out of everything. You know God wants to get the glory? Paul says, he says what? There is a, this momentary light affliction does what? Does what? It causes a great weight of glory. How many want to glorify God? Sometimes Paul, you have to say, he says this momentary light affliction causes a great weight of glory. The things that you may be experiencing, some of those things, if you don't have sin in your life or you've already confessed sin you have, then you must, and you're walking accordance with his word, then you have to say, well, this must be the will of God for my good. So I'm going to, that doesn't sound good, does it? So I will cooperate with the will of God in certain things. And when I cooperate with the will of God, he's working it for my good. Not only did Paul minister salvation 
to the jailer, but it goes on to tell us that he ministered salvation to the jailer's entire family for Christ's sake. Hallelujah. And in closing, I would like to admonish you. It says that understand the will of God in accordance to the word of God because there's meaning and purpose for everybody's life. You remember we were talking about a word, raison d'etre is a French word, raison, raison, which means reason. You have a reason and purpose for living. You're not here because your mothers and fathers decided to get together because it was ordained by God that you are here. Understand a reason and purpose for your life and realize some of the things that you may be going through may be directly orchestrated by the will of God. Hallelujah. Hey guys, I'm Bob. <laughs> <laughs>